to speed the growth of our faith. And he's, this is very important to him. Faith's important to us, actually. There's nothing that we don't do that is important that doesn't require faith. And as we grow in faith, we learn to trust God in the middle of those situations and circumstances, and we begin to change. God really uses these things to change us and make us uh, more mature, more like himself. Uh, Today we're going to look at how the people in our lives are instruments that God uses to help us change and grow. He uses our relationships to help grow our faith. Um, Notice I said they're instruments, not tools. You know, we don't want to think of people as tools, as objects, but we're instruments in God's hands that he uses. We all have a circle of family and friends. It may seem that the circle around you is somewhat random. It's a collection of individuals and personality that, you know, you can't connect a dot, you don't know what happened, but there's this circle that's gathered around you. Um, You may realize that some of the relationships uh, have been chosen for you. You were born into the family you were born into. You grew up in your neighborhood uh, where you grew up. And um, kids in your neighborhood probably impacted you, the kids at school that you met and you grew up with. Um, Some relationships have continued because you chose to continue them. Either you enjoyed those folks or you you work well together and you you just continued hanging out. The fact is the people in our lives have a way of shaping us. We tend to catch things, good and bad, uh, quickly in the context of our circles that we run in. Uh, Attitudes, information, values, phrases, colds. We, we pick up stuff from the people we hang out with. Um, you can see this happening in this clip from The Sandlot when Scotty Smalls, the main character in the movie, meets the guys in his neighborhood. You can see how he begins, he's going to be picking some stuff up. Let's watch this together. Hey. Uh, I'm gonna go play some ball and we need an extra guy. You wanna go? No, thanks. Why not? Don't you like baseball? Oh, yeah, but, um. Uh... But what? Uh, but my glove. It's busted. Uh, so, you know, I can't go. Thanks, though. It's okay. I got an extra one. Come on, let's go. Were you born in a barn, man? Yeah, yeah, what planet are you from? 
But there was no way I could let them know. You never heard of the Sultan of Swat? The Titan of Terror. The Colossus of Clout? The Colossus of Clout. The King of Crash, man. So? I lied. Oh, yeah, the Great Bambino. Of course. I thought you said the Great Bambi. That wimpy deer? Yeah, I guess. Uh, sorry. There you go. Benny the Jet comes by, seems kind of random, pulls him into the group. He gets in the circle. And he didn't know anything about baseball. But you can see the pressure for him to know some stuff. And he actually, because of his association with the, the guys in the neighborhood, learns a lot about baseball. And he ends up uh, in a career as an announcer for a major league team. That really impacted his life right there. This is what happens. The circle we run with, the circle that we hang out with, our friendships and our family relationships, they're major catalysts that God uses to speed growth in our lives. That's what he wants to do with them. They, they take us one direction or the other, but he, he really wants to use these things to grow us and change us. It's, it's helpful then, since this is the case, to understand it so you can cooperate with God as he works in these ways. And it's also helpful to step back and ask, what is God doing in my circle of friendships and family relationships? What, what is he doing with those? How, how does he want me to relate to my family and friends? Is there some initiative I should take? Is there something I should do? Does he want me to widen the circle or does he want me to shrink it down a little? What, what is that? There, there are two growth catalysts that God uses in the context of relationships. First one is providential relationships. Uh, he brings people into our lives that he uses to spur real growth and change. And he, he brings them along. It may seem random, but they're providential. He's provided these folks to really help us and to shape us. And then uh, another catalyst is personal ministry. He, he puts people in our lives for us to help. And in the process of helping them and figuring out how to help them, we grow. He wants us to serve some. He wants us to communicate our faith to, to some folks. In learning how to do that, we, we ourselves change. We, we begin to shift. I met a friend in a college class. Seemed random. But God has really used him to help me grow. And through meeting him, I met really a whole network of people, all kinds of people that I've walked with through the years. This was 30-something years ago. It's a long time ago, my freshman year in college. Um, <clears throat> but the, the network of people that he connected me with has been a tremendous blessing to me. And God has used that group to help me grow exponentially through, through these relationships. Many of you can see the hand of God in connecting you with people and meeting someone at school or at work or in the neighborhood who's really helped you uh, either come to know Christ or begin investigating him or to grow up in him. But you can see the hand of God. God, God puts that together. This isn't something that we can arrange. This is, this is something God does. It's a catalyst that he pulls together. And 
if we realize what's going on, we can work with him as he's doing this in our lives, as he's working this way. Uh, Take a moment to consider the people in your life, in your circle. Some of the folks may have really helped you like I described. They've they've helped you understand some things about God uh, or or about life, and and you really appreciate them. Some of them... um, you might like to trade in for someone else. I don't know if you have anybody in your circle like that, um, but you shouldn't. Okay, so some of them you might like to trade in, but you shouldn't. And some may want to trade you in, you know, family members, co-workers, church family, those you end up with in groups, you know, we're, we're pulling together some life groups and uh, some financial peace groups, and we sort of have a picture of who we'd like to be in those groups, and it's just not, doesn't seem like it came together the way we envisioned. But I guarantee God, God's putting this stuff together. God, this is not random. God is arranging things for your good. Some of the people in your circle may be a negative influence. Scripture has a lot to say about that. 1 Corinthians 15, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. So we have to watch out for that. We have to watch out. The people we run with have an impact on our lives, plus and minus, good and bad, positive or negative. God's put some people in your life who are real positive. Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. We need to take initiative to build friendships that are going to grow us in faith and in wisdom. We, we need to understand how this works, that this is what God does in my circle, and I, I need to get involved with people who are going to really help me understand life and the things I'm dealing with from God's perspective. And we join up with these folks over the long, long term. What a difference. This is what I'm talking about. My friend I met in a random class in college, I connected with him, and over the long term, the relationships that, and the friendships that, that God has connected me to have really made a difference. They've shaped, they've shaped my future, which I'm living now, you know, starting 30-plus years ago. They, they have an impact on attitudes, values, and perspective in our life. So this is what we're talking about. God grows us as we choose to engage in providential relationships that build our faith. We see God putting this together, and we take initiative to engage. We have to get shoulder to shoulder with folks. We have to get across the table from them. We have to show, we have to take the initiative to get into a group where we can begin to get to know folks. Our faith grows in a circle of people who come alongside one another to mutually encourage each other. This is, this is God's intent. This is what I mean. Now, we don't always choose the people that we relate to. But, but God can use everyone to grow our faith. He puts some people in our lives so they can share their faith with us and help lead us to Christ, to know Him. Um, he puts others in our lives so that we can serve them, people who have practical needs that, we need to stretch and try to help them with. Some around are examples to learn from. Uh, people who challenge us at the pace and the way they live, and we learn from them. God uses difficult people in our lives, the ones we might want to trade in. Now, we don't want to be an instrument in this way, do we? We don't want to be the person who is wanting to be traded in. 
But some, sometimes relationships, the conflict and the things that's going on in our relationship are like sandpaper that God is using to smooth out the rough edges or to really spur growth and change. Some people come into our lives so that we can help them come to know Christ. If we know Christ, we're walking with him. This is something God wants you to learn to do. How do I communicate my faith in a way that makes sense to somebody else? So some people God brings around and they don't know Christ. They don't, they don't really know what the scripture says about him or how to begin to investigate him. And, and then we're the ones that God connects to them to share our faith. And as you learn to do that, God stretches you. And actually, another thing, passage in Philemon says, that when we share our faith, we understand all that we have in Christ. It, it actually grows us to stretch and begin to try to tell others about Christ. It really grows us as well because our understanding begins to expand. It's important to recognize this because many times... We see our circle as a random collection, or we want to control who's in it, who's out. You're in, you're out. You know, the circle of trust, we keep it pretty tight. You know, you're in it, you're out, you're gone. And, or we take our ball and go home, we go in the corner, and we don't want to hang out with our circle. However, God brings people around us to love. They aren't interruptions to avoid. They're, they're people that God loves. And if you're following Christ, he brings them around so that you can learn to love them as well. And as you learn to love the people around you, and as you allow them to build into you and make an investment in you, you and I, we change because of the circle we're in. Scriptures tell us to make the right relationships an extremely high priority. In my own life, God used many, many people. Uh, through the years at key times. He's, he's brought them around, or I've ended up in a meeting with them, or I've run into them, or however he does it, all kinds of ways. But he uses them at just the right time to say what I need to hear that, that helps me deal with what I'm going through. I, I can, some of that is, seems random, it just happens, but most of it has happened as I've taken the initiative to show up at places where these folks are going to be in groups or meetings or here Sundays at church, wherever it is, in the context of this, in the flow, God uses these folks to build my faith. Many times I go to a meeting, I get up in the morning, you know, I don't know about you, but I get up in the morning and it's morning. I'm not a real fan of morning. And usually I wake up, and if I've got a lot to do that day, or if a lot's going on, my mind's swirling, my heart's sort of doing this, and I'm, I'm trying to get set for the day, and, you know, maybe I have a meeting to go to that day. I get up, I force myself to get ready for the day, I go to the day, I show up at the meeting, and God, through the other people there gives me exactly what I need. It's amazing. This is what God does. They spur me on to keep going, to keep doing what I need to do. Because I'm intentionally trying to get in the flow of life with people who are going to shape me and, and help me understand the right perspective, the right values, choose the right attitudes toward the things I'm 
I'm going through. So we need to be intentional to seek these relationships out. We, we've we've got to be intentional where we can get into relationships where we can encourage and be encouraged. Hebrews 10 talks about this. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The goal of this passage is that we spur one another on to love and good works, so we should be encouraging each other. The, the word encourage in the Bible is different than our current, you know, our normal understanding of encourage. Um, I think sometimes we translate encourage as support, be supportive of whatever's going on. But in the scripture, the word encourage, it's two words put together, and it means uh, to come alongside somebody and to challenge them to move forward. That, that's what it means here in this passage, to encourage. So we come alongside. Now, to get that encouragement, what do you have to do first? You have to come alongside. You have to get shoulder to shoulder. You have to get across the table. You have to spend time with the person, with other people, in order to get that kind of encouragement. That's what it's saying. So we come alongside one another, and then we challenge one another to keep moving forward, not just to stay there and wallow on the floor in a blob, you know, this is horrible. Yeah, that is horrible. That's terrible. You know, I can't believe you're having to deal with this. Well, there, there needs to be some sympathy, some, some empathy for what we're going through. But at the same time, if people really love us, then they're encouraging us to take the steps of obedience that God wants us to take right in that context. That's what happens in groups. This is, this is what happens when we team up with people who are wise, who are going to be encouraging us to move on. Having people to encourage us to hang in there is crucial. It's key to our growth. God arranges this in our lives, and He wants us to take initiative to get with people that... that He's connected us to. Why? We, we lose heart if we keep isolating ourselves and we get off track. This is, this is why we need to be stirred up and spurred on uh, and reminded of moving in the right direction. We need to allow people to speak into our life. I need to let people say to me what I need to hear and uh, even correction. I, I need to let people correct me. And actually, I can think back through many corrections that were difficult to hear at the time, but wow, very, very important for me to understand how to handle life as it was flowing by. Very, very important. So this is, this is crucial. Providential relationships, they're going to grow our faith. We, we, we need to take initiative to get in those. God also wants to grow our faith as we engage in personal ministry. Because it tends to stretch us beyond our comfort zone. This is what it does to try to serve people. Ministry just means service. It's not anything fancy. It means to try to serve people. Try to help them with whatever their need is. And we serve them as we stretch beyond ourselves to look at their needs. Uh, as we serve people, we can begin to see things differently. And then 
we get beyond our own self-interest. This is important because sacrificial love is the kind of love the Scripture talks about. It's Jesus' kind of love. It's God's kind of love. It's the kind of love He wants us to be showing to other, uh, one another. And sacrificing for others is a key way that God deepens our trust because if you get your eyes off yourself, you have to trust somebody to keep their eyes on you. And that's what God does. He promises to meet our needs as we step out to do this. Now, I want to look at a story. It's one of the more well-known miracles that Jesus performed during his ministry on earth. Um, the, the main thing going on in the story is he fed 5,000 people with only five loaves and two fishes. That's pretty incredible. But what I'd like to focus on as we're reading through this is um, how Jesus was developing the faith of his disciples through the experience. Let's, let's look at what he was doing. Matthew 14. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, uh, that, that's what the disciples want. Hey, let them go. You know, they need, there were no McDonald's, but they needed to go into the village and get, get their food. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Interesting, huh? He, puts, he gives them the You figure out how to feed them. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men beside the women and children. Kind of fascinating. That, that seems unbelievable, doesn't it? That he could do that. He pulled it off. Jesus' miracles are attested by his enemies, really, in his day. This, is, this happened in a historical context. And the context is uh, the Roman occupation of Jerusalem with Jewish religious leaders vehemently opposing Jesus Christ. If they, and and when, when, the, when he died and was raised, his followers began to preach about Christ. Nobody ever, ever argued with them that the miracles happened. I mean, we read that and we think, whoa, that's amazing. How does he do that? It, it happened. It was attested by his enemies even. They didn't argue with that. The bottom line here, though, that I want to look at is this. The disciples were at their limit of helping people. They were done. And they provided Jesus with the details of why, why they should not do it. They had a pretty good, it's a desolate place, let's get out of here. What are we doing? We're in the middle of the desert. It's late in the day. We're tired and hungry. Now these are 12, you know, 12 tired and hungry men. Men get cranky when they're tired and hungry. It's the way it is. I mean, they were probably thinking, let's get rid of this crowd so I can go do what I want to do so I can find my own food and let's just let them let them figure it out I imagine they were pretty pleased with their rationale that they presented to Jesus for uh, 
taking a little break, letting the people go. Instead of granting their request, he challenged them. Not, not only do the crowds need to stay, you need to figure out how to feed them. Jesus gave the disciples the responsibility to feed the crowds. He didn't let them off the hook. Now, why, why did he do it that way? Why did he do that? Jesus was not only interested in taking care of the needs of the crowd, but he was, taking, he was interested in developing the faith of his followers. And that's why he gave them the responsibility. They couldn't do it on their own. How are they going to feed this crowd with five loaves and two fishes? They had to trust him. Their resources were limited. They needed Jesus to intervene and help. They needed him to step in. Their, their faith grew as Jesus worked in spite of their limited resources, energy, and desire. And that's the place God keeps putting us in our lives. I don't know about you, that encourages me. Disciples are real people. They're like, hey, take, take, take a, get, let's send them away. I'm tired. I don't want to deal with this. But it's right at that moment that often God brings a, 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 an opportunity to serve somebody, to help somebody, to explain who Jesus is to somebody. And that's how God grows our faith. He gives us what we need to do, what he's asking us to do. He keeps giving us the opportunity, and if we'll respond to him in the middle of the, that opportunity, he gives us what we need, and he grows our faith as we walk forward to it. So there's the two catalysts that God uses in the context of our relationships, uh, providential relationships and personal ministry. Great way to get started in thinking this through is to take an inventory of your circle of relationships. So I want to take some time and do that, just give you an opportunity as I'm talking through your circle to let you think about who's in it, what God's doing, what might he want me to do in response. So first of all, who's in your circle? So, some of you need to thank God for the people God's brought into your circle. They've been a real help to you in either coming to Christ or begin to help you investigate who Christ is, or they've really helped you grow. And as you handle the flow of life, these folks have a way of just saying stuff that bursts open your perspective and helps you see it the way God does. They, they, you've been catching the right values from them. You need to just thank God for those folks. Some of the people you need to serve. There's some people in your circle, if you're a mom or dad, for sure. <laughs> if, you, if you work, there are people at work that you have the opportunity to serve. There are people all around us in, in church life here, people we can serve, we can give, we can serve, we can do what we can to, to meet their needs. Um, the multitude needed, needed food. What are the needs in your circle? There, there are many. So some of the people you need to serve. Some, some may need to know Jesus. They don't know him yet. They don't understand who he is, who he said he was. And um, if, if you've only got a picture of who Jesus is from the general culture, boy, you're way off. So there's some people that you need to begin to pray for. The guy would open their heart to investigating who Christ is, who he really is, 
and then connect with him and begin to walk on with him. So who's in your circle? And then a second question is, do you need to widen your circle? Do you need to widen it out? Do you need to intentionally step into a group who can encourage you? That's scary. If you haven't done that before, that's scary. But the way that God intends for us to grow is for us to be shoulder to shoulder across the table from people that we can share life with, we can talk about what's going on, and then we're encouraged. We're comforted by the camaraderie, by the fellowship or the friendship, but we're also challenged to keep moving forward. So do you need to intentionally step into a group who can encourage you? And then do you need to take initiative to share Christ with people whom you haven't met yet? You might need to widen your circle that way. God, God wants us, if, you know, as we walk with Christ after a certain length of time, He wants us to begin to look for ways to connect with folks who may not know Christ and begin to share Christ with them. Sharing Christ is like planting things. I've planted a few trees in my backyard. Uh, and what I've done is I've planted the tree and I've tried to water it, give it fertilizer every once in a while, and then watch it grow. I can't, the only thing I can do is plant the tree. And some of my trees have done okay. I've got a salad citrus tree, it's fascinating, it's flourishing. I've got honey mandarins, lemons, limes, and navel oranges. It's an awesome tree, all coming out of the same uh, trunk. <laughs> you could tell what kind of farmer I am, I had to think of what. Um, and then I've got a plum tree, hasn't been bearing very many plums lately, and I'm trying to figure that out this winter, getting ready for more. I got, I've got a peach tree, that thing is just doing, it's awesome. Um, I have, I'm working on avocado tree number five. Okay, I've killed four, and I refuse to give up. I'm persistent. That's the only thing I am in terms of my farming, is I'm persistent. I'm trying to figure that avocado tree out. It's okay right now, because I just planted it. I've just planted number five. I, I'm not completely in control of the growth of these things. I, I can do things. I can try to figure it out. And this is how God... This is how God grows us in the context of relationships where we're trying to help people. Not in control of people being helped. They have to choose it. God has to work. God has to do these things. I, I, can't, I can only do so much. I can be faithful. You can be faithful to love, serve, share with others. While God works to give faith. The gift of faith to begin with and begins to grow the faith. I'm learning to farm in my backyard, in the same way we need to learn to serve people and try to help them. And what God does is He uses the stretch outside of our circle to grow us. Your faith won't be catalyzed in the comfort zone of your current circle. It will not. It's, it's going to grow outside of your current circle. In reality, just like Jesus and His disciples, we have limited resources. We only have so many. Are you willing to trust God to multiply your efforts, energy, or even the costs involved in serving other people as you step out to do that? We have a limited number of relationships. We cannot relate to it. No matter how many Facebook friends you have, you can have only so many heart-to-heart heart -heart relationships with people. I call them heart relationships because you're, you're sort of connected to them. Those are the ones, those heart relationships are the ones that begin to shape you. 
people you let into your life, you get into their life, they shape you. We only have so much time. We have a limited number of those. You and I have to choose who we're going to relate to, who we're going to connect with. One thing for certain is that God's going to be stretching us. Since a growing faith is what really pleases him, he's going to be putting us and wanting us to step out into uncomfortable situations, challenging circumstances, so that we can connect with people who will really help us grow. This is what God's doing. Taking an inventory helps us see what God's doing. It helps us see our current reality. We can't make any changes or do anything different unless we look at our current reality. That's why I wanted to walk us through this. Uh, We can only make adjustments when we realize what's going on. So who's in my circle to learn from or to help? How do I need to widen my circle? Those are two key questions this morning. Do I need to step into a group who can encourage me? Uh, We're going to wrap up this morning. I'd like to ask the band to come, come up to get prepared to lead us. We're going to wrap up. If you would, look at your connection card. Again, uh, if you'd take that out of your program or pick it up again, that'd be great. Uh, And if you have the need to complete any information on there or the next steps I'm suggesting, that'd be great. When the offering comes by, uh, you can drop the card in the basket. But here are my suggestions for next steps today. You may have others. Maybe God laid something on your heart. First of all, memorize Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Number two step, sign up for a group today. This, the groups, the life groups anyway, sort of combine the first catalyst practical teaching with with relationships, providential relationships, connect those together. So um, you may need to get into a group. Very, very helpful for figuring out how to apply what we talk about on Sunday mornings. And then finally, take an inventory. Set, set some time aside to pray and to take an inventory of your circle this week and ask God to help you to do uh, what would please Him with your circle. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank You for the truth that we see in your word, for the way you always encourage and help us. And as you laid these steps on our hearts, God, help us take the steps of obedience that would please you and honor you. We ask for your help in this, dear God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.